Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we'll be discussing Chapter 6 of Observing the Craft, Ritual. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Today on the Working Tools Podcast, we have our usual group of hosts. We have Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung from Prince Charles Lodge number 153 in Kelowna, British Columbia. Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth from King Solomon Lodge number 60 uh, in Auburn, Washington. Worshipful Brother Jared Dunham from Penticton number 147 in Penticton, BC. And I'm Matt Apple, and I'm a member of Mill Creek number 243. Uh, and we meet in Montlake Terrace, Washington. So today we're going to begin our discussion of chapter after an extended discussion of chapter four and a, a slightly shorter discussion of chapter five. We have uh we're beginning our discussion of chapter six of the uh the observing the craft book. Wherever it is, there it is. And we have um it's it, the title of it is ritual, but it covers a whole lot of things that aren't necessarily exactly ritual in my mind that are ritual adjacent are important, but aren't ritual specifically. But I did find myself my in my notes. My first comment is basically you have to read the first page, page of this chapter and then the rest of it's all pretty much filler that, you know, the first paragraph, you know, the matter of which one approaches the ritual of Freemasonry is the most single most important aspect of observing the craft. OK, we're good. <laughs> Thank you all very much for coming. Um, well, so we sort, I'm sorry, we sort of decided amongst us that we were going to divide, subdivide the chapter um, sort of by sense, kind of the way he's done in the chapter. So starting off with hearing and talking about the ritual and music and, and silence and those aspects of the, of the chapter. Um, what did you guys think? I, David, you had a comment before I ran over you. I, Steve, I almost cut Steve off. So go ahead, Steve. You're going to say Oh, well, Stephen had a comment. You, you know, I don't know. I, it wasn't. I mean, I I didn't get through my first two pages before I started making a whole bunch of notes. But you know, it is. I mean, he's what he says here makes so much sense, and and I got to agree with it. It, it. If one thinks about it, it makes perfect sense. It's no small task to learn the art of ritual. It takes discipline, self control, and concentration, all of which are attributes of the better man. It's a substantial effort of the mind and body, which must learn how to move and operate according to a prescribed order of events carried out according to a specific method. And I think a lot of guys forget those kinds of details um, when, you know, once they get through when their master mason degree and they start going in lodge, they're not, you know, a taught this or, or taught to think this way. They're just handed work and asked to do it. Uh, unless you have a really good coaching uh, team that will uh, coach lodge officers, coach to do uh, mentorship and um, help guys, you know, perfect the ritual. Right? Without that, you know, this doesn't this doesn't get explained to anybody. You know, and um, it, it's so right. You know, on, on the next page is just you know. Um, Masons and the profane uh, into the sublime. For that reason, the observant Mason feels it's imperative 
that the ritual be seen in the eyes of the craft as the very instrument by which the lodge of uh, speculative masonry is called into existence. Right. And, you know, I don't know that that's the way I've always thought. So for me, I'm, I'm like right on task with this, but it also opens my eyes to see that so many others aren't. And that made it a bit of a frustrating thought for me. Because whose place is it to, to correct or say or whatever, right? You know, and that gets covered a little later in the chapter. But, you it's know. It's ours. <clears throat> yeah. And, but, it's, but it's when and how. Because he does talk about yeah. the, yeah. the uh, people, you know, murmuring on the side and, and making comments. We're or all prospectors. We, we have the right to talk whenever we want, right? <laughs> no, we don't, right? We, we do have the right to whisper wise counsel, though. But at the right time and place. After, yeah, after. After, you know, not to embarrass a man in the middle of a, uh, his works. Before. Well, yeah. Huh? Well, yeah. Before. There you go. How do you correct got, somebody it, before? Before. How do you know he's going to make a mistake? That's a good point. How do you know he's going to make a mistake? You don't. Well, because you just said he Okay, so, no, I'm not saying mistake. We're talking about whispering wise counsel. Right. It's before you go up to him, make sure that he understands what is required of him when he's performing a ritual. Now you well, say that, you, that's you, it. That's only if you have a good coach. I mean, yeah, if, if no. the worshipful master dishes out a pizza ritual to somebody, I'm not necessarily going to know that that's been done because I'm not the worshipful master. So how do I know that somebody's even got the piece of work that needs coaching? Right. You can't you can't correct somebody in advance. I'm not saying correct. I'm saying you get, let them know what your what your expectations are before. I'm not talking about because you're talking about correction. <clears throat> I'm talking about going up to him before and saying so. You you've just been given like a lot of times the first thing we hand out is what the working tools. So when it's someone's first try at doing ritual, it's a past master it doesn't matter. Any past master, ideally if they have a mentor, it goes up to them and says, "So this is your first time." If you have any questions, or even better, do you understand what's expected of you when you present this? Right, but I would have to know that that brother got handed a piece of work and asked to do it before I could go up to him and coach him and say, "Hey, I understand you got this piece of work to do. Do you know what's really expected? Do you has anybody worked with you or coached you on how to present it?" Right. I I didn't don't know why you don't know that beforehand. Whenever we do a, a degree, we all know who's doing what. Oh, yeah, no, that's not all in every lodge, bro. Um, it should be. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you, you, I agree it should be, but, you know, um, you can't expect... only, I was only the boss for one year, right? Well, we're all the boss. We never stop being the boss. <laughs> but, no, but that's the thing is that if we're going to like rich, it, ritual is this important that it's every job's every job's person. Ah, oh, ma, speak like your daughter for day. It's every person's, every member's job, specifically past masters, to make sure that everyone knows what's expected of them when they're doing their ritual. And we have practices, like, you know, or at least, I'm sorry, we should, in an ideal world, we have practices at a point where you can see some, where someone tries the ritual, presenting it for the first time, and then you can correct. But if they know beforehand what's expected of them, ideally because... In, in an even more perfect world, they've seen someone do it well, and they're they want to emulate that person. But in the absence of that, you know, it, we can't 
it's it's okay to correct, but we should make sure that we're that the member doing ritual for the first time is given as much chance to succeed from the start by being told what our expectations are of when they do it. That would be the ultimate. Yes, I totally agree. I I also think that it's a the expectations don't have to necessarily be explicit. If you have an excellently run lodge and everyone knows their stuff, maybe the new guy sort of assumes that this is the <clears throat> the level. And that, ooh, that was kind of funky. My hand appears, but anyway, uh, maybe <laughs> the new guy assumes that that's the level that to which ritual should be performed. That's the way he is what he assumes is the case instead of be, being crappy to start with. Right. Which is why it's important to have practices and coaching and mentoring in all of this. And, and unfortunately not every lodge has that happening. So you don't find that taking place naturally in every lodge, which how do you make it that way? Well, I don't know that that's a totally um, individual lodge thing. I, I, I mean, me as the district education officer, maybe it's my place. I can go to the uh, director of education for each lodge if I'm seeing issues and, and maybe offer some assistance in that manner or some coaching or guidance to, to them and see how they can uh, make um, improvements in their programming or, or practices or things like that. But, but is that, is that not the director of ceremonies job? Master uh, ceremony, director of ceremonies. Well, their job is to make yes. sure that, the, that everything is done properly. So they're the one that you need that should be approached to make sure that everyone that that practices are happening. But whose job? Who's uh, is it proper for just any master mason to go to the director of ceremonies of somebody's lodge, not their own even, and make that? Well, not their, not someone else's lodge, but there should be if 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 you feel that your lodge is not and maybe not go to the direct ceremonies, but possibly a past master. Okay, I'm gonna go on. Okay, it's your job as a master as a man, member of your lodge if you feel that your ritual is not being performed properly. Go and talk to your director of ceremonies and put a bug in their ear that you know, hey, maybe we should be practicing this. If you go to another lodge, possibly the master or a past master, if you're close to someone to say, Hey, you might want to put a bug in the ear because that's all. I mean, but that, that, it, it, that is their job. The director of ceremony's job is to make sure that ritual is performed properly. Is, is there, when you say properly, well, is, sorry. Well, and, and that's, that's a little bit of a definition in there too. But if a guy just recites the words and he does it accurately, if he says the words accurately, where's the level of quality? Where, you know, that's kind of what the chapter is about is more about quality than it is about necessarily even the accuracy. Although he alludes to accuracy, but it's really more about the quality of the delivery. I would say a little both. I mean, it's both. But. I, yeah. I mean, cause nothing worse than ad living. Well, I would say yeah, that if someone, yeah. to begin with, if someone can, can and, and live to what extent, a couple of words, maybe uh, I've seen more than a couple of words. Oh well, yeah. Then, yeah. Again, well, no, I mean, like if you, if I mean, we've all, we've all seen it where, I mean, word placement, you, you use the right words in the wrong order. You still get the gist because we speak differently now, but um, someone who can actually, I mean, someone who can recite ritual verbatim, but in a monotone, boring voice, 
at least is partially there because once they have the ritual, then they can work on delivery. Um, bad ritual delivered well, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> oh, I've seen it. Have you? <laughs> then maybe you can talk uh, well, on, talk on that. Well, then is a bad term for that. You know, delivered well. I mean, a, a guy does the work and it's like, who was that? Where did that come from? But, <laughs> you know, and again, it depends on how much you know, if we're talking about a couple of sentences or, a, you know, a, even miss a paragraph or something. But again, it gets the gist across. Is that still any? And I agree. I mean, I, I think we all are can see, oh, that's crappy. You can't even read it. Or, but then there's, he delivers it with passion. And there's, if you're reading along, you go, well, he missed that whole section, but, but he's, you know, 90% of it's accurate. And it, that, I think it depends how big it is too. If it's like he's doing a whole lecture and it's a 20 minute lecture and he misses two lines, well, who cares? Well, two lines. I mean, it all depends. I mean, and I mean, there's part of me that kind of want, says, you know, the sin of omission is that, you know, how do you know that that part that he's missed isn't important? That's, I agree. And I, I, I mentioned that to Steve, to Steve's point, I mentioned that when I'm coaching guys, I say, especially when you're doing longer sections, there are elements that are woven in, in different places that are going to be referred to often throughout lectures or throughout degrees or whatever. And if you read through the whole thing, you'll see, oh, he did this and it's mentioned over here. And so you want to make sure you do that right. So when they mention it, it goes, oh, yeah, he did do that. Or I did hear that. Or he did say that. Everything else is kind of open to interpretation to some extent. I mean, but those key points for sure, the ones that are referred to, you were caused to whatever. If you didn't, if you didn't work caused to do it, then it doesn't. Well, I didn't wasn't caused to do that. <laughs> How does that make sense? I, I, to to Matt's point in the very beginning, I think the word ritual as a chapter title is a little bit wanting. I think ritualism or rituals is probably Game a large experience. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the it, he really is trying to cover several elements in that word, but they are all ritualistic elements. But so is the next chapter. But I think the important thing, the important thing to take away from this chapter is these are the things that separate us from any other social group, that in the absence of these, we are just a bunch of guys dressing up in tuxedos and hanging out on a Thursday night. It's certainly one aspect. I was thinking about it, though, when he said that, when I read that line that it separates us, I thought that's not all that separates us. It's certainly one aspect. But if we said. A lot of guys will say, well, what's different between us and the Lions Club or something? And they say, what's the ritual? Uh, I, I'm i not charged in the Lions Club to look within myself, for, to develop myself and do these. I mean, I, there's some elements of positivity and leadership, of course, in Lions, but I'm, it's certainly not the introspective concept. That's that, the ritual. It's related to the ritual. Certainly the ritual brings it in. And I think the ritual creates a a, um, uh, a state of mind within a lodge. And like you said, talks the ritual creates a lodge and creates masons. I like that line too. I had thought about that, that I mean, I call myself a mason, but if I'm walking down the street, am I really a mason? I mean, I guess I am technically, but where am I a mason? I'm really a mason in a lodge of masons. And when is a lodge formed? When we go through the ritual. And that was 
enlightening to me. So I don't know if ritual isn't the only thing. It's very important, but it's certainly not the only thing. Uh Oh, I'm getting the grumpy nod. (laughs) So uh, he he mentions, sorry, Matt, you were going to change subject. Go. I was just going to say, there's some dead air. So there we go. Uh, He, he mentions that, a lodge full of guys in overalls saying excellent ritual is good. They just need to work on the dress. I've had some turmoil in my own thoughts lately about we say in our, we often say in our lodge, Hey, we, if you come from work in your work clothes, just come, we don't care. We want you there. And there's part of me that thinks that's true, but there's also part of me that thinks, well, the guy next to you also had to work today and he changed his clothes. Why aren't you changing your clothes? And so, and I do that every time I go to lodge now, I, I have to change clothes. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that overall thing. I mean, I, I we're Eastern Washington. I, there's a lot of well, guys. Well, you know, like it, 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 it's, it's funny you say that because like in BC, everywhere I go, the, the dress is expected. Uh, when I've gone across the border, that hasn't necessarily been the case. It varies so much from lodge to lodge. And I, it, it loses that standard at that point. And when I travel, when I'm working and I'm not going to get home before I got to go to lodge, I got a suit bag, including my polished shoes and, and or unpolished shoes, but I've got them there. And everything's ready to go. And I take it with me. I might get changed at the lodge hall. Um, I'll get, cha- I've been, I'll get changed out of, at the lodge hall of, a uh, that I'm visiting. Uh, everybody understands that, you know, it's not a, um, it's not uncommon to, to be doing that, um, in our neck of the woods anyways. So there's not lodges in your remote areas that, sorry, Matt, <laughs> there's not lodges in your remote areas that don't dress, that they have more loose standards. No. So is that, do you in, feel, in BC, is that a, the standard is a dark suit, and if you're an officer, tuxedo. If you're a Grand Lodge officer, you have tuxedo and an evening suit with tails. And how, how do, you, do you feel that that is uh, disseminated by Grand Lodge? And incur, it, how, how is it enforced, if you will, or, or other well, than I don't personal standards? I don't think it's enforced as much because you can see everywhere that, you know, there it, it gets relaxed here and there. And like you say, you know, if a brother will use the reasoning that he has just come from work and he, and he didn't have time to go home and get his shoes, but he had time to bring his suit jacket and tie and he wasn't wearing that at work. Right. So it was just lack yeah. of planning and it, and then it becomes a habit. And well, you know, nobody's seeing his shoes anyways, because he's, you know, behind the podium or behind the desk or whatever. And yeah, uh, but nobody says anything to the guy either because he's a past master and, and nobody wants to go up and, you know, tell him what to do. Right. But, you know, that, that pokes the question as to, you know, how do you deal with that? I, and Jared, I believe is right. You would go to the director of ceremonies and, and, and let him know how you feel. I think that's the proper way. Uh, I don't know that 
you know, there is a particular protocol for that, but it makes sense that that would be the guy to go to. Well, I just, I know in our lodge, it's the expectation is given to new, to new candidates. And in my experience, we just, we emulate what we see and we see everyone in lodge in a dark suit or a tuxedo. So we kind of get the point that we need a dark suit or or a tuxedo. Right. But when you're in, uh, uh, going through your degrees and you hear, you know, the guy who's delivering the working tools or deliver, delivering the lectures to you, you know, where he's getting multiple prompts and he's not putting the effort into learning the work and you, 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 as the, you know, no different. So, you, you know, you just, and I've said it before, the comments been there a few times. Well, I don't have to do perfect ritual because I, if I don't get it, I just ask for the word and somebody gives it to me. Time after time after time after time, right? And then you know, it gets the little hairs on the back of my neck sticking up. Matt, you really want to chime in? I can tell. No, I think we've actually run past the thing I wanted to say. <laughs> I'm way in the back here now. <laughs> you can drag us back. It's okay. Yeah, circle back. But I, I mean, I guess in my head there are priorities. And if one has so much energy to expend on improving one's lodge experience, I would work on, not to say you couldn't do both at the same time, but I agree that I would rather, in the same way I would rather have a master who is a great leader of men than a perfect ritualist, I would rather have a guy in lodge doing great ritual than remembering his shoes. I Again, not that they're exclusive, et cetera, et cetera. I understand. But if I had to, if I had to pick one, that's what I would pick. How, I guess that's just how far I, I would agree with that. How far down that dress rabbit hole do we go though? Are, are we down to say I wouldn't be wearing shorts, shorts like somebody. Okay. <laughs> and so is it, you know, again, if a guy shows up in jeans and a polo shirt, is that okay? If he, yeah. He's a great ritualist. Yeah. I shouldn't have gone back because now we're all. Yeah. No, it's okay. We've talked I mean, about dress before. Well, but it's all part and parcel, you know, to deliver a good lecture. I don't know. I, I think you need to be presenting yourself just as well as you as you do your ritual. Well, and he, he talks about that the the dress is in the ritual and all these things are about excellence, right? And as Jared said, expectations. It's about the care and effort that we take to make ourselves better. And if that's really what it's about, it's not so much that, and, and I tell guys too, hey, if you can't afford a suit, thrift store, go to thrift store. You know, there's ways to get clothes. It's if they don't have it, it's one thing. If they could have it and don't plan, then they're not showing to the lodge and to their brothers the expectation, right? If they can't afford a suit, maybe this isn't the right time yeah, of life yeah, for yeah. them to join the lodge. <laughs> true, true. I mean, not saying that they should never, but maybe this isn't the best time for them that, you know, they, there are other things, other priorities in their lives they should be focusing on. Well, some guys might think that it's, they have to go out and buy a thousand dollar suit and you don't certainly don't have to do that. No. I mean, nice. God, I'd love to be able to go out and. Yeah. I, I, just... I did. I did do that once. And then on the master Mason degree, it, it, it got ruffled and torn and was, uh, ruined <laughs> yeah i want to ask what role you were performing in that at the time i, I was the candidate 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you know, accidents happen, right? But um, the I, I don't know. I, I this is such a a hot topic for me that <clears throat> I believe that the the ritual should be done. I believe I I find myself being the guy who's <clears throat> wanting to say something, not necessarily knowing if it's my place or or time to to say it. Uh, especially if I'm a visitor, right? In my lodge, sure. In my role in my lodge is, as a past master in my lodge and as the director of education, uh, I would feel very comfortable in my own lodge saying something to the director of ceremonies or even just going to the brother myself and offering my assistance in, in coaching. Uh, but we now have a, a mentorship program in place with coaches in place that will help a brother learn any piece of work. So that has kind of sidestepped that in our lodge. I think that sort of neatly encapsulates kind of all of our feelings that we want, we want the ritual in our lodges to be as good as it can possibly be. Um, I mean, perfection is a, as I tell my children all the time, I don't expect perfection. I just want improvement. And, uh, and, and what, perfection might not be always achievable, but we can always do better. And, and I think we all agree that it's, it's a certainly an important aspect of, of, of observing the craft so with that um looks like we're destined for a second maybe third episode about the uh the hearing up aspect of this chapter so uh, on behalf of jared and stephen and david and myself i uh, thank you all for listening to the working tools podcast and we look forward to talking to you again soon goodbye mm-hmm.